the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we welcome you to episode 32, where today we're going to be talking about simulation theory. That's right, simulation theory. Before we get into the episode today, we hit 1,000 followers on Spotify. So shout out to everybody that followed us on Spotify. We did call it, by the way, last (laughs) episode. I said we were going to hit it before this episode. And and we we hit it on the day. (laughs) We did. Um, (laughs) We hit it on the day. It's actually because we were going to have, we we were actually going to do it yesterday. But then I think we had one day which was unsatisfactory and then it went back up anyways like that anyways anyways. it was fine yesterday was fine anyways also something really interesting since we are just talking about uh our podcast just our history and stuff one very interesting thing that i was noticing that parker and i noticed today is that uh our subscriber or our follower growth is insane so thank you to everyone For example, in the first six months of this podcast, which was from May to September, we had 500 followers on Spotify. And as you know, in one month, which is today, we've reached 1,000 followers on Spotify. So I think that is awesome. So thank you to everyone who is continuing to follow, continuing to subscribe to us. Really means a lot. Really does. And also... If you follow us on uh, Instagram, math.physics.podcast, we post every time like something happens, something mm-hmm. cool happens. And August 20th, we posted 200 followers on Spotify. One month later, we posted 500. And one month later, we posted 1,000. Oh, so that's awesome. God damn. Thank you to everybody that's been following on Spotify. Thank but you. technically, total followers, we hit 1,000 a while ago. because. Yeah. On YouTube, we have we have forty. Podbean, yeah. On Podbean, we're at like one hundred and seventy-five. So, can we uh, measure Apple Podbean uh, followers? No, you mean Apple Podcast, but I mean, sorry, sorry, (laughs) Apple Podcast followers. Yeah, Uh, no, we can't because they have really bad analytics. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's it. I guess we will get started into this episode. So, life as a simulation so we're going to talk about half like physical concepts half philosophical ideas so yeah to get uh to get this episode started we're going to talk about creating consciousness it's one of the hints that lead us to thinking that life is actually a simulation um so we have computers on earth right now that can vary you know not not very well they can't do it well but they can somewhat simulate brain activity and so well yeah not very well not very well right now we do not have enough power to even fully understand the brain yeah yeah people speculate that with the exponential growth of technology Mm -hmm. that eventually we will have a computer that is as powerful if not more powerful than a human brain and that can simulate a person and and that is actually uh sorry 
Yeah, go ahead. Interesting fact, just I just want to cut in. That's known as the technological singularity, the moment in technology where we can make something sufficient enough to replicate the human brain. So basically, like, you know, AI, what everyone talks about, the perfect AI machine that hasn't been made yet, even though there are multiple AIs, but the perfect AI machine will be able to perfectly, basically, simulate a human conscious brain it will be i actually thought the singularity was when technology can just teach itself at an exponential rate and then it just knows everything like the well yeah but the the point where it knows singularity is kind of like a nice borderline to put it at because when technology reaches the level as us we can say that that singularity has been reached and the moment it gets better than us you know it it breaches that singularity or something or whatever So the reason why this ties into simulation theory is because if us humans can program using the laws of physics we were given, we can program a machine that is basically an artificial human. What tells us that we are not artificial humans, that our brains were were coded by some some thing, right? The, 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 The creator of our simulation. Our brains are just coded machines that aren't real. They're just they're just brains. And if let's say this this computer that we that we create in the future can experience like emotions and independent thoughts and all these things that we see in human brains that we think are unique to us because we are, you know, somewhat we think we're special because we're so smart and we have big brains. But what if it's not special? Like every every creation whether it be technological or biological that has our brain capacity and brain what am i trying to say brain effectiveness <laughs> something like that um okay. yeah like what tells you that that we are not just just programmed things mm-hmm. of atoms you know yeah so th- a really good uh, TV show, if anyone actually watches, uh, Westworld, is a fantastic TV show that literally is talking about everything that Parker just stated. Like, everything that he said is basically the plot of Westworld, where it's like <laughs> these uh, conscious robots kind of thing. I mean, I, I don't want to get into the TV show, but basically, the idea is if we can code something to be artificially intelligent, what tells us that we are not the same beings that we just created, right? There's nothing that can differentiate us from them at that point. If we can make them, you know, perfectly biological and stuff like that in the future, there's nothing that will be able to differentiate, at least mentally speaking, like, you know, for the mind, not really the body, but mentally speaking, there's nothing that differentiates this AI from then us. So that poses not only a philosophical question, but also a who's whom question. (laughs) You know? <laughs> Correction. Whom is never actually correct. <laughs> That's from the office. Yes, Anyways, I, I, yeah. uh, our next point is quantum mechanics. You know how much <laughs> we love to talk about quantum mechanics. But let's remember, let's all let's all conjure up the uh, double slit experiment in our brains. And if you guys aren't familiar, I will briefly explain it. So it's when you have two slits and then you shine a light at the two slits, and then you have a screen behind the two slits. And then what you see is instead of having two bars of light, which is what you would expect, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have this interference pattern. So it's like th- these light spots and dark spots. And so if you do the math behind it, what happens is that the the two waves, because you separate it into two slits, right? So the two waves that you merge from those slits interfere with themselves and then create constructive and destructive interference. And so that is essentially one of like the conceptual highlights of quantum mechanics. Mm-hmm. What this uh, indicates in terms of simulation theory Ooh. is that nothing... Right. Nothing that is being observed in the universe is rendered, quote unquote. Right. So if we're not observing something, the universe doesn't actually like put it into the physical reality. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of the double slit experiment, if we don't know which slit the photon goes through, then that information isn't encoded into our reality. So it has right? All these options. Um, mm-hmm. This is hard to explain without visuals, without, yeah. but you know, it, <laughs> it, can, you it can be in either one of the light spots and it, it shows up essentially randomly, but not randomly because some spots it are, yeah. are um, forbidden, than others. you know? Yeah. So yeah, all that to say is that some elements of reality just aren't really manifested until you look mm-hmm. at them and that kind of um is analogous well, to video look, games observe, right observe or like measure is a better yeah. word not really look i guess yeah yeah like measured like that's yeah. like um if you know anything about like video game designing yeah i was like actually that. just gonna give that analogy i was yeah. actually just gonna <laughs> say that yeah. so if you if you're playing like a first person video game and whatever you see on your screen is being rendered right like every pixel on your screen is um, passing through your CPU and being thrown onto G- your... GPU, or not, GPU. Yeah, GPU, whatever, and being <laughs> thrown onto your screen. But you're not actually in a 3D space. Everything that's behind you is not actually existing while you're not looking at it. You know, of course, this depends. This is, you know, not 100% accurate because I'm not a game designer, but it's a good analogy. Some games no, work no, like but this, right? The way the games work is basically because they want to reduce your GPU and CPU load on, yeah. onto your desktop instead of rendering the entire environment. As mm-hmm. you turn your mouse, like as you turn your cursor and as you turn your person, your first person view, the CPU and you're basically the game is rendering it as you see. And whatever right. is out of your field of view is now being deleted from basically the storage that is being right. you know rendered. And so there's also, a specific amount of storage that's being rendered. And mm. the only thing that's being rendered is what is your field of view. Everything around it, everything beside it is different. Now, like there are no, new technologies like RTX and stuff that we can go into maybe later. But <laughs> yeah, that, that that does it a little differently. But, but also I wanted to say that... Game mechanics. Like uh, the inside of... Like, for example, if there's a building mm-hmm. in a video game, right? The inside of the building is just going to be, like, completely empty. Just There's just nothing inside. Yeah. It's just a it's just a wall with that looks like a building. Or, for example, if you have a rock, it's not actually a solid rock. It's just a, something that has the shape of a rock. But if you, like, clip into the inside of the rock, you'll see it's just some empty thing. Mm-hmm. All that to say is that the ideas... Uh, that stem from quantum mechanics and some of the conceptual um, experiments that we've 
covered in class slash discussed on the podcast mm-hmm. kind of indicate that the universe works the same way as a video game, right? <laughs> With like every personal, like ev- every one of us is like an individual first person view. Yeah. <laughs> kind of ev- like some person in a higher dimension is basically playing us and we have no idea. Mm-hmm. No, that, and, that's um, like a joke, but like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who who really knows? I mean, to be honest, like that's the thing, right? I mean, to be, I mean, the whole argument I think just stems from the consciousness argument because like everything depends on like how we can even define it, right? Mm-hmm. Because if in fact we do come to a stage, I mean, we 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 just said this, but if we can create consciousness, how do we know we aren't that creation? Like yeah. that itself is like the major philosophical argument for this entire simulation theory. Mm-hmm. One thing that I always love to visualize is that our observable universe is like a globe, you know, mm-hmm. like like how some yeah. of us have globes just sitting on our desks or whatever. Our our entire universe, or our, our observable universe is just a globe that's sitting on an alien's desk, right? <laughs> like, like he just copped uh, our universe. And we're just sitting on his thing. And whenever he's bored, he looks at it and he's like, oh, look at, look at Earth. There's just, <laughs> there's just people, cool. people walking around on it. All right. No, but he's going to see the whole universe. I do not think he can he'll well, be able to see Earth. Well, he can, he can zoom in on whatever he wants, right? Oh, but that's a pretty high tech globe. I know, well, he's an alien that has a universe as a globe. So, <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm yeah, assuming yeah, he's pretty high tech. <laughs> um... Yeah, that but would be yeah. pretty crazy though. That would so be this, pretty crazy. This alien is like some crazy like like coder. He's like in in grade 6 taking a coding class and like as a project he just makes he just a coded a, a universe. Casually. And it's not even <laughs> that big of a deal cuz, you know, it's just part of part of his curriculum. Part of his so, curriculum to code and a universe. All, all of his, all all of his must, buddies. All, all people must code universes. Yeah. All of his but and like, you know, he he chose Right, he programmed into his own project the laws of physics that we know today. Of course, mm-hmm. other students in that alien class are going to have different universes mm-hmm. that have different laws of physics, different mm-hmm. whatever. And it turns out that the, the the quantum mechanics that we see here on Earth is just ways to save on um, um, like load for his for his uh, <laughs> for his GPU, right? He's like he's what? like if no one's if no one's looking at this photon, why do I have to? Why do I have why to program have to it into it, yeah, reality? Make I just, it do some if, certain thing. It can just do if, anything I want it to. If no one actually Ooh. knows what what which slit it goes through, let's just say it goes through both. Whatever, it'll it'll make it a lot easier on my computer <laughs> and whatever. So. So, uh, well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's how, there's obviously a lot of jokes in science fiction and <laughs> a lot of, I mean, we technically, yeah, we don't really know, but that's all just, you know, thoughts. I mean, but, I think, I think if we knew that that was true, everyone would know, <laughs> <laughs> everyone would also know that that is true. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Continuing on the podcast now. Next up, we want to talk about Fermi's paradox. Next up, Fermi's paradox. Yeah, so I think we, uh, I think we covered Fermi's paradox in another video. If we haven't, and or if you haven't seen it, I well, think Fermi's it was paradox life in is the basically a, a long way of saying, "Hey, how are we the only people in the universe? 
How are there not other people in the universe? How have we not, in the billions of our ex- years of our existence, never found any other civilization, any mm. other planet that's habitable? There that's are easy ways. The idea of it. Yeah, there, right. there are easy ways to explain this. And just that things are very far away. Yeah. And maybe, you know, the technology on both sides, like if there was a potential alien out there, maybe yeah. their technology isn't as good as ours. So they, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to but receive yeah. any mm-hmm. signals or send any signals, but they're still there. We because just always don't remember, know. like, to, to, the, to that technological alien argument, there's always the other side too. Like, we don't necessarily have to go there. The alien can also come to us, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we're not in a big rush. But at the end of the day, like, what would we do if an alien spacecraft just came to our planet? Because to be honest, we have lived, what, 5 billion years. I mean, or at least the Earth has. And, or at least, let's say human civilization has lived like even 100,000, 200,000 years, let's say. It's still never seen any sight of any kind of contact. That is all or at speculative. Least recorded. Recorded. Sorry. Sorry. Recorded. Bob contact. Lazar on YouTube, Joe Rogan podcast. Okay. Okay. Yes. If, that you, is... are, if you are interested in aliens and things like that. Bob Lazar is a physicist that worked at Area 51. I forget the name, but it's not actually Area 51, but it's like it's, a lab. It's a, little, yeah. it's a lab off of the, well, in the same like location. That podcast is one podcast. That Crazy. Literally, like literally, no, it didn't literally, but it blew <laughs> my mind. Yeah. It was like, if oh like it's so insane bob lazar yeah. and joe rogan it's it's one of the two which one is it because he has two what right? do you mean or does he only have no. one pod no no i think it's one it's, it's just one right okay whatever but that is a must must watch like <laughs> it is so good i can't even explain it i can't even like, explain it. the the reason why i believe him is because this guy is an mit like doctorate degree whatever like crazy physicists that like he has no reason to lie he has nothing to gain from releasing the information that he has and he actually lost a lot of yeah he lost a lot because from, of the information he released yeah yeah and, and I, I don't mean all of that's on the podcast but let, like, let's talk about it, yeah. uh simulation theory again yeah let's talk a little bit about this podcast not not about so, Joe rogan so fermi's mm-hmm. paradox why does this indicate that life as we know it is a simulation well let's suppose that humans are the only life form in the entire universe which is so incredibly incredibly um yeah improbable mm-hmm. but let's assume what does that really tell you about reality itself right like out of all of the possible initial conditions of the universe there is only one tiny little speck of dust that can host life it kind of leads you to think that we were like we're, we're just kind of an experiment that was just put here yeah. like what like what happens exactly. if if we if we let particles um move around on their own you know <laughs> like like what'll happen and then obviously 
now we're here and we've got computers and microphones. And we're pretty much destroying things. the Earth too right now. Yeah, so if right. we are in fact the only planet in the universe, mm-hmm. like we're destroying that one. So <laughs> we're not doing like a very good job. Yeah, but we're not doing a very good job of keeping it. You know. Yeah, good. I am an yeah. optimist yeah. though. I do think that the environmental crisis will work itself out. Not no, I'm not saying that if we continue how we're living right now that it'll work out but i think that people are smart enough to eventually come around to the fact i don't know about that in in the in the day and age we live in like i don't know if people are smart enough to come around to that like i definitely believe that there are a lot of people that even till i mean even right now are still smart enough to know what's right but there's really nothing that you can do with all of these you know crazy yeah. factories just killing the environment yeah. all across the world it's, it's 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 not one person's problem it's the whole world's problem you know so yeah anyways the, the deterred from the topic that, once again sorry, sorry. the, the, the <laughs> idea is back. that we are all every every living thing you know we're not even talking about humans that can invent things we're talking about microbes and uh viruses and panthers and whatever anything that can be alive can only be found on earth that is just a crazy absurd idea that could only be true if this massive infinite universe thing is is encoded or created or you know Mm -hmm. simulated Mm -hmm. Yeah, Perhaps. because I mean, well, technically, again, that's the entire thing, right? And but yeah. there is a scientific version of it in the fact that the universe is just far too big for us to explore it yet. But you know, but then you can also be like, well, if we haven't explored it and we haven't we haven't seen anything yet, so it's safe to assume that we could still be in a simulation. Well, until and unless and until we see something, we can't really rule out the simulation argument, or at least mm. in this in this context, in the Fermi paradox context. Yeah, I think best case scenario, like we're traveling somewhere in space, we meet an alien species, and then they give us some like equation, and they're like, because because they're they're way <laughs> they're more advanced than we are. Equation? What? No, they're way they're more not advanced. Come to us and give listen, us an equation? listen to what I'm saying. I'm, uh, they're gonna be way more advanced than we are, so they don't really care about us. They're like, whatever. Like these, they're just a bunch of monkeys chilling in space so they'll give us an equation and we'll be like oh shit like this is some crazy like next level equation and then and then we'll become like slightly more powerful (laughs) due to that knowledge i i I highly doubt if they do come they're gonna come and hand us a piece of paper with an equation (laughs) i mean one can dream (laughs) i'm fully imagining like this alien species just coming and giving us like an equation a crazy long equation and then some scientists like spend years on it and like no way yeah because we have to like decode it right we have to decode it into our math and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> but once we get it, it'll be crazy. <laughs> I think this is the funniest podcast we've recorded yeah. today. <laughs> so, okay. One thing I really wanted to talk about is the plank length. Oh, yeah. Why? Why is the plank length so insane? Okay. For those who mm. don't know, plank length is basically the minimum distance anything can travel in our universe right well no, you, well technically it's the oh yeah okay sure yeah 
anything can travel in the street. Right. Yeah, sure. So if you're yeah, if you're right. standing still, perfectly still, you can be in one position. But as soon as you move, you have to go at least one plank length. You cannot go half a plank length or yeah. a quarter of a plank length. You have to go one plank length. Mm-hmm. How does this tie into simulation theory? This is crazy. Okay. Think about your computer screen, man. Your computer screen has pixels, right? There is there is a minimum amount or sorry there's a maximum amount of information you can put on your screen at once because there are so many little lights that you can you can light up and Mm -hmm. together you can string into images and things like that it's the same idea when you turn it into three dimensions right if you think of a plank length cubed right so it's a volume that has that like a cube that has a side length of a plank length that is basically the minimum volume that you can occupy in the universe. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's basically setting a, uh, a resolution to the universe. So tying this back into the whole computer idea that the universe is in, is in a computer simulation, there's only so much information you can, you can store in the universe because there is, there is a, a limited amount of, of unit volume slash length that you can occupy in this in this universe does that make sense yeah (laughs) god kind of but how about this another way to put plank length or another kind of thing to think about is you know how we have the coldest temperature possible as minus 273 oh sorry zero kelvin or minus 273 degrees celsius right yeah that's the coldest possible temperature. Now, on the other side of this, this is actually from a Vsauce video, by the way. Wait, <laughs> by the, the way, before you continue, this, before you continue, yeah. I just want to explain to the listeners why that is the coldest uh, temperature possible. It's because okay. when you are at zero Kelvin, basically, you, the atoms can't vibrate because it's so mm-hmm. cold. So so nothing can can move, <laughs> essentially. Ba- so that basically, is, at zero Kelvin, right? like particles don't have any frequency. Like yeah, they, yeah the, the, there's no, there's no. It takes away all the kinetic energy. I think. Yeah. Isn't that? Isn't that how they? Yeah, because and that that's how they, that's how they're basically perfectly still. Yeah, we didn't at, take. At uh, Kelvin. We didn't take thermodynamics yet. Next Not semester. yet. <laughs> Not yet. Next so, semester. Anyways, Bef- on the yeah. other side of it, we have the hottest temperature possible. What is the hottest temperature possible? Right now, this will get where it gets interesting. The hottest temperature possible is basically, let's say, something. Any temperature exhibits a wavelength, right? It exhibits some radiation. That wavelength can, that radiation has a wavelength. We can then measure that wavelength. So the hottest thing possible will radiate radiation at a wavelength of the Planck length. So the wavelength is so small. That's what basically. Oh, that's, that's crazy! So I never thought of that. Exactly. So the wavelength <laughs> is so small, right? That the that the length of the wave is equal to that of the Planck length. That's actually that's pretty crazy. Cool. So that's so, yeah. the other side. That's the hottest temperature possible. And that's also another interesting thing. Like, why is there a hottest temperature possible? Because of, again, this Planck length. But then that, again, poses why, right? Like, why yeah. can't we be smaller? Yeah. Like, the problem with infinity when you're dealing with computers is that you know, if life wasn't a simulation, then infinity would be everywhere, right? There wouldn't mm-hmm. be a maximum, a maximum temperature. If 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 you just heat something up 
infinitely it would just keep going up and up and up right mm -hmm. and you know there wouldn't be a minimum distance you can travel because you know if i travel this far i can just divide that by two and divide that by two all the way all exactly. the way down it's basically like a continuous region of space but we're saying no it's not continuous it's quantized there is there is a minimum amount of unit lengths space. you can travel mm -hmm. no wait not not a minimum amount of unit length there is a unit length that you can <clears throat> only travel is what i'm trying to say mm -hmm. so everything <clears throat> basically any unit length can be expressed in terms of Planck length like in mm -hmm. multiples in integer like greater than one multiples of the Planck length i want <laughs> to say i want to talk about the last thursday paradox oh which okay. is the actual name of the paradox yeah but. <laughs> yeah that's a pretty cool paradox i know i've heard about it so it's called ahead? i'm pretty sure i mentioned this too on the last episode uh we talked about something with something philosophical anyways last thursday paradox is basically you cannot prove to yourself or to anyone else that the universe wasn't created last thursday this is so this is such an interesting it's this is such an interesting paradox it's very because, stupid, i mean it's true right? there's no way it's there's no way to answer listen, it. sorry continue you can you can show me a video right like oh this is a video from two years ago this proves to me that the universe wasn't created last thursday but what if in the creation of the universe right your phone was created with already all of this information on it in in its uh storage right and all of your <laughs> memories so all of your memories were already encoded into your brain and all of everybody else's memories were already encoded and basically back to that analogy of like a universe as a coding project the alien that coded the universe already just put the information as is and pressed play and then you know pressed play last thursday and now mm -hmm. here we are this is friday today so so the next day <laughs> i can't prove to you that it, that it wasn't created yesterday and because everything interestingly enough <laughs> yeah. interestingly enough there's a group of people who believe in this and it's uh, and the religion is called last thursdayism and there's an actual <laughs> church of last thursday wow. where people legitimately believe that the universe was created last thursday well and the, the interesting thing, is, thing, as Parker just mentioned, is that there is no way for us to disprove that mm -hmm. because we, we can't measure the universe being created. And because in the universe's creation, we are created with all of our memories. There's mm -hmm. no way to tell if it was the universe that put in our memories or we that have had our memories. Yeah. So the reason why this points to a simulated universe is because, well... I can't, like, to me, it's so obvious that the universe was not created last Thursday, but, but you is know, it? is it, <laughs> is it like, is, like, is it? the, like, did I just put on a VR headset in the fourth dimension and <laughs> I spawned into this video game in my body last Thursday and now I'm just chilling until, until the game's over, right? Like, there's no way for me to prove there's that. There's no way. So and, yeah, in that's conclusion. a pretty crazy. Uh, that's a pretty crazy paradox. Um, de yeah. definitely read up on it if you want to hear a little more about last Thursdayism and the religion. Mm -hmm.
<laughs> so yeah, I think it's pretty cool. But um, something I wanted to talk about uh, real quick, even though we are talking about simulation. Now, if in fact, let's say our universe was or is a simulation, let's say we can somehow encode information to the universe, right? And now Parker was saying, we describe negative infinity and, and infinity, but in reality, those things just don't exist. There is a minimum, there is a maximum. So mm -hmm. we also know something about the maximum speed of something. What we know is the speed of light is a constant, and that is the fastest speed that anything can ever travel. And the only way to travel at that speed is to be massless. And we've already, I think, discussed this in uh, some stuff before. But yeah, so that is the entire concept of the speed of light and how fast, quote unquote, it is, right? But if we suppose that the universe is a simulation, let's do a little thought experiment. Let's just think. What if the speed of light was crazy slow? What if it was like 300 kilometers an hour instead of 300,000 kilometers per second? Then what would actually happen, right? The universe mm -hmm. would be very, very, very different. And we would technically not be able to move. Let me explain. So because of how energy is related to the speed of light with something known as the Lorenz transformation, I don't want to go too deep into it, but basically what that states is as you get closer to the speed of light, the energy required to move, to move further is very, very, very high, it's exponentially higher, exponentially higher as you get closer and closer to the speed of light. Now, if the speed of light is 300 kilometers an hour, instead of 300,000 kilometers per second, if let's say you're on a highway traveling at like 150 kilometers or like 130 kilometers an hour, you would basically need, well, I don't even think we would have, yeah, there's no way we would have that technology, but we would need, <laughs> okay, let's say we want to go one kilometer an hour. We would probably need 10 rocket engines just to propel our car one kilometer an hour. Because the speed of light is now so low. So every kilometer an hour closer to the speed of light, you're going to have to exponentially add more energy. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I, think that's pretty I mean, cool. to, to think about how, you know, everyone knows E equals MC squared. And if the speed of light was very low, then what that indicates is that a well, very... E equals gamma MC squared. And the okay. gamma is where Anyways. this comes in. Play. yeah because no no so, no, because no because the mc squared if the speed of light was low well it really, really wouldn't tell us much about energy right it would just say energy is lower but the gamma factor that that factor before the mc squared that many people forget to write that is the most important factor and that mm -hmm. tells us it, it's the v squared over c squared factor i don't know if if, if if people know that that's awesome so that basically is saying as you get closer to the speed of light how much more energy would you need to add and if it's slow, you would need to add a lot, a lot more energy. Also, yeah. time dilation would be a very big thing because the speed of light is so low. If you're traveling at highway speeds, let's say somehow you get to 150 kilometers an hour. Remember, forget the rocket. And let's say somehow you get at that speed. Basically, you would, you would be dilating your time so much with respect to someone who is stationary and traveling, let's say, with Earth, right? That by the time you're done like a highway trip, you're going to be like two to three hours younger than someone who was just staying at home. 
<laughs> and that's all because the speed of light would be so tiny, right? Yeah, one thing I wanted to say is um, how you can visualize um, like a slow, how, how a slow speed of light would affect uh, reality is that we know that the closer you get to the speed of light, the more energy you need. Um, one way you can think of this is that the closer you get to the speed of light, the more mass you gain, right? And so the more kinetic energy you you need to accelerate, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or let's say the faster you go, the more mass you gain, the more energy yeah. it takes to go faster. Exactly. And then yeah. that just that just keeps on adding exactly. up until you get to the speed of light, which you don't. That is... Yeah, you exactly. get very close to it, and mm-hmm. then it becomes even harder to accelerate even more. So that is exactly why we need to be, or someone, or anything needs to be massless to travel at the speed of light, right? Because the because if you're not massless, then you just keep gaining mass to till your mass reaches your mass reaches infinity at the speed of light. That's why it's impossible to reach that speed unless you're massless, right? But at the slower speed of light, things would be different. We would still not be able to reach it, but it would still take insanely amount of energy just to move like to two to three kilometers an hour. Hmm. Right. Also, the final point I think we have is that the speed of light, why does that indicate that life is a simulation? Well, th- I wrote this down on the Google Doc. I said GTA analogy. I know <laughs> everyone that's, that played GTA um, I don't know about GTA 5, but I used to play GTA 4 on PS3. And when you went really, really fast in just a straight line on the train tracks, basically the whole game would would turn white. And this was due to the world not rendering mm-hmm. um, like as you were riding through it. So the things behind you were getting rendered as you were already in front of them. So then... Your, your screen would just turn white and then you, your your character would be like riding on the motorcycle. And so that that's kind of like the idea. There's a speed limit in the universe. So this is just kind of a cutoff to say that, well, if anything were to go faster than this, then it would be too strenuous on the computer to be able to render that much information at that mm-hmm. speed for the observer, right? And that's exactly so, what happens with light as well, because the faster yeah. you travel, also length contraction and everything takes into play. And I think we've spoken about this, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Right. My argument was also my argument was also assuming that a an observer can move faster than the speed of light. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, but, but I'm yeah. just saying, like, uh, because of like at the speed of light, like for a photon, let's say for example, mm-hmm. like the, the lengths are basically contracted so much that the universe doesn't even exist for a photon. No, it's just a point. Like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like so in nothing, the direction they travel, right? Exactly. Nothing is defined for them because there's no length. There's no time. There's so a, a photon is basically just living its life. It doesn't know when it dies, when it's away. It, it just doesn't. Well, technically, it's not alive, but <laughs> I'm just saying, trying to give a life to a photon, you know? Yeah. Okay. But that, 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 we did talk about that before. But, uh, yeah, I believe we have. Yeah. So that's, uh, that pretty much concludes everything we wanted yeah. to talk about. I think this was a pretty crazy podcast. <laughs> um, we definitely have some good laughs, but I think more importantly, we got some points through 
that were really, really interesting. And, you know, just like points to think about. Obviously, if you ever want to search up simulation theory, that would also be really cool. You can just learn a lot from yourself. But mm-hmm. I think I, th- I think we covered some good points today. So, yeah, let us know if you enjoyed the episode today. You can always contact us on Instagram at math.physics.podcast or by email uft.math.physics at gmail.com. Make sure to follow on Spotify or wherever you're listening and leave a comment. If you have a question, we will always get back to you. Thank you for listening. So this has been episode number 32. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we will see you soon. Peace out.